This show features discussion about murder, people going missing, and other weird but triggering things. Listener discretion is advised. There's something strange going on tonight. There's something going on that's not quite right. Michael's nervous and the lights are bright. Hello, weirdos. Welcome to I Have a Weird One, a weird podcast. I'm Jason Soto. I'm Nick Joe. I'm Rob Branch. <laughs> and if you couldn't tell, we have a weird episode for you today. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, welcome to episode five of I Have a Weird One. It's a podcast where uh, we tell very weird stories that... Either we've experienced, we found on the internet, just some kind of weird story. Uh, today, uh, I want to welcome a guest. Uh, uh, I'm letting him be a guest because he is part of the Rabbit Hole family. Uh, he ha- he and Rob, actually, they do a podcast together called uh, Lyrical Innuendo, uh, which you can find at rabbitholepodcast.com. Uh, so let's welcome Bubba Wheat to the fold. Hello, Bubba Wheat. How are you? Let's get wiggity, wiggity, wiggity weird. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I like the energy. Yes. Uh, so before we start, I just want to say to the listeners out there, uh, if you have a story you want to share with us, you know, any kind of weird thing you've experienced or you've seen or <clears throat> just something you heard about, uh, you you can email it to us over at I have a weird one at gmail.com and we will uh, read it here on the show. Uh, if you want us to use a fake name, I'll have Rob make up a magical fake name for you. It'll be something really lame like like Princess Tittyworth or something, but it'll Papa Zizel. But it will it will be a it will be a fake name that we will give you. And we will read it on the air. So uh, I have a weird one at gmail.com. So there you and go. We will continuously make fun of you. N- not no, gonna, we won't. We gonna, love you. We're not going to do that. So. You it will be a you. fake name, unlike Bubba Wheat, which is a real name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's yes. my birth name. That is the government name that <laughs> he has. Well, speaking of, let's go ahead and start with our guest today. Let's Bubba Wheat go ahead and kick us off. What's your What's your weird one? Sure. Yeah, I, I have a weird story, and and it's not so much weird as in weird bizarre. It's more like weird as in what the fuck. <laughs> oh, you like those? I love so, it. Yeah. So you know, I I've been working at my job, and um, you know, it's I've been in various uh, different stores over the past uh, going on fifteen years, pretty close. Jesus. Wow. And the the first one that I started out, and it's it's a pizza chain, um, national pizza chain. I'll I'll say that much. I, I won't say too much more, just because, you know, you'll you'll see why once I get oh, wow. into the story. Okay. And the the first one that I started out in, like, um, you know, like right after my daughter, my oldest daughter was born, uh, was actually like uh, on 38th Street, downtown Indianapolis. Hey. Hey. Yeah. That's like five minutes from my house. <laughs> That's weird. That's weird so you, right there. So you know the area. Yes. And, and uh, you know, the, the store has since been closed down. So mm, I, yes. I'm not too worried about that 
that specific location. That would be my fault. I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> you know, I was I was just starting at at this store, and you know, we we went through like um, the the first GM the general manager that worked there. He got fired, and they brought in a, a new guy, and he was this um, like African guy, and African as in like South African, like he has a, had a very thick African accent. Mm. And he was kind of a, a weird guy. There was always rumors that he was still working at his job at a Kentucky Fried Chicken down the street. Mm. And he would, like his hiring practices, he would hire his friends who were also, you know, very clearly African with very thick African accents. And... And so I, I was working there for a while and for a few months, and I would say about once a month, there would this, this guy would come in during the day whenever we were slow and he would put in an application and he was this weird looking guy. I, I think the best way to explain it would be like a half black Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so he's an older guy. He looks vaguely homeless you know he's pretty disheveled he has that that hair uh and you know bald on top and he would come in like once a month put it and put in an application and i'm like there is no way that you know this is a family friendly pizza location and this guy looks like he's on some sort of you know uh watch list <laughs> fbi watch list and but then somehow this this new gm decides to hire him as just like as maintenance uh, you know he just you know takes out the trash cleans the tables mm. uh, does all that stuff and and that's this is right before that gm got fired <laughs> because he was a horrible gm and then they bring in this new gm and um his girlfriend that comes in as an assistant manager and you know that's you know, it, it was pretty hard to find staffing even back then because they actually, you know, they knew that they were in, in a relationship, but that store, that specific store was so hard up for employees that they let him be the general manager and his girlfriend be an assistant manager for the time being until they could, you know, get staffing and split them up. Mm. And so one day, you know, we were slow and every so often I would work with, with this guy, this, you know, this homeless uh, half black Gallagher. And <laughs> he was just a weird guy. You know, he was fairly quiet, kept to himself every once in a while. There was one time I remember, like I went to the bathroom and they, I noticed that he was in the stall because he was like the only other person in the building. So I knew it had to have been him. And he was like, just kind of quietly sobbing. Mm. And so, but you know, I, I just kind of kept my distance, just minded my own business and went back to my job. And then at, you know, at some point I was just chatting with the, the assistant manager and, you know, I just kind of pointed out that, you know, I noticed that, that, He's just kind of walking around. He's supposed to be cleaning the tables, but he doesn't really look like he's cleaning the tables. He's just kind of wandering around aimlessly. He's not doing a whole lot and we're slow as hell. And so she, 
you know, I point that out to her. And so she, you know, keeps an eye on it. And then she realizes that, yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. He's just kind of wandering around, just kind of half-heartedly, you know, just doing a spray and like just a couple wipes, but not really cleaning, just basically wasting his time. And so she tells him to go home. You know, she's like, you know, you can go ahead and clock out and go home. And so he's like, and he just snaps. And he's like, no, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, I, this has been a long time, so I don't remember exactly what happened. It, it was all kind of just a blur, but he, so I don't remember if they like kind of went back and forth. I think they did kind of go back and forth, got into it and he got riled up. And so he, at, you know, pretty quickly, he gets mad, he gets pissed off. And this is a big guy. And and I never realized that he was kind of built because he was always, anytime I saw him, you know, he was, he seemed kind of depressed that like he was always just kind of shoulders slumped. Mm-hmm. And so he goes into the kitchen and he grabs one of the pizza cutters. And, and at this time, this is, you know, this is like, uh, a pizza place pizza cutter so it basically looks like a giant machete size because it's one of the ones that has the big blade so you can chop it in one motion mm-hmm. and then it has like the handle that you hold it at the bottom and then it has like a you know kind of a smaller oh, handle i've seen those before yeah at, I know what at the about. at the top of the blade so you can kind of rock it mm-hmm. but it's it's shaped a bit more like a machete and then he comes back and he starts attacking the assistant manager with this pizza knife, just like, you know, Jay, you know, with Friday the 13th Jason style, <laughs> just starts wailing on her and, you know, gets like 20, 30, you know, 20, 30 hits in, give or take, and then just runs out the door. So I've, you know, I'm kind of back. A little way so i immediately call 911 and deal with this and you know they eventually get him down the street and you know the ambulance comes in and that it's it's this whole thing and, it, and it's just so bizarre that this guy just snapped and then later later on that we we found out that he actually had a a felony on his uh, record that the background check missed. Oh Jesus! Because they did do a background check on it, but they missed this like felony. And for a long time, I thought that I was going to have to testify, um, you know, as a witness, because it, you know, at first it was going to go to trial, and then they told me, well, he's going to plead insanity, and then he ended up just pleading guilty. And so luckily I I never actually had to go in and testify in court. And, you know, she never, she, she tried to go back to work after, you know, she, she was, I'm not going to say that she was all right, because she definitely was not all right. Uh, But it was mostly like superficial wounds, like um, mostly like defensive wounds just on her, on her arms. I think she had a few uh, maybe on like her stomach, but nothing incredibly severe uh like nothing life-threatening it was a dull machete yeah because i mean it it wasn't it wasn't like it's just made to cut pizzas and you know you use it every day 
and so it's you know i'm sure they only change it you know every couple of years so um it it wasn't all that sharp it's mainly just the the force that you use to to push down yeah. on it oh my god yeah they're they're not a lot of places don't really use them that much especially like such only like um like mom and pops and small pizzerias yeah the I ones that to... we now are more like they're more of a like half moon shape so they're curved and yeah they have like uh um uh, like you rock it back and forth in order to cut the pizza so that that would be a lot more unwieldy Jesus. so he just went eh, 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 eh. <laughs> oh exactly oh my you know God. what's Dick. what's what's weird uh and i guess you know, i don't know but i i've also been in a situation where i've been near someone who uh went to attack someone with a machete <laughs> what <laughs> Okay. Um, I have it, Rob. <laughs> have you been the only one that got attacked by a machete? Um, and technically, I have. It, it wasn't like a, a real attack, but I remember whenever I was um, a kid, uh, one of my one of my best friends. He was like a kind of a, a rich kid, and he was he was a little, you know, take it up to eleven at times. You know, the the kind of kid that's they. He had, you know, he was one of three brothers or four brothers and they do the kind of things where they shoot each other with BB guns and he had a machete and there was a time where he would just like, you know, wave it around near me, like not like he was trying to attack me, but just like, oh, look, I got a machete, the, that kind of crazy. Was, <laughs> look at me, weird. I'm Leatherface. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> what the That's hell? Some fucked up shit. That's crazy. That, that I can is safely say to answer somebody, whoever's question it was, I've never been in a situation where I've been attacked or seen somebody attacked by with a machete. Okay. Um, I've had gunshots near me, but then again, I also live in the hood, and yeah, I'm yeah, you not. Do. You know, I mean, a lot of people. There were also actually... gunshots in my machete experience. <laughs> Just gotta one up somebody, don't you, Nick? <laughs> well, my situation had prostitutes. What about you? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, well, Bubba, we thank you. That was a, that was a, that was a story, and the fact that that took place about ten minutes from where I currently live makes me joyful. It makes a lot of sense, actually, for ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does actually. <laughs> See, Jason lives on the west side. I live on the east side, so all the crazies moved over here. Yeah, that's true. Although I've always yeah. heard the east side was bad. So, yeah, whenever I lived there, I lived on the south side. Ah, oh, yeah, we yeah well, I lived the on the north side. side. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All There's right, one up in literally north, north. All right, uh, Rob, you are up. What is your story? Okay, so my story is not as depressing as that. It's actually kind of interesting. Um, I always find these things very fascinating and very weird. Um, so first off, uh, do you guys know exactly how much of our ocean has been explored? Just a roundabout number. It's 0.2%. Uh, no, it's it's like five, 4 or 5%. It's yeah, that's between, what I was going to yeah, say. Between 5 and 7%. Um, yeah. More than 80% of our ocean has yet to be explored, so we're always finding new things. 
um, new nightmares of, of hell, hellish levels um, to be, you know, fought and found. And, you know, I swear to God, Cthulhu's down there just waiting for us. But this comes from an NPR um, article that was last month. Um, it is researchers spot a rare type of dragonfish at a thousand foot depth. So if you guys don't know what a what a dragonfish is, um, it's similar to an anglerfish, but it's in a different family. Um, the the dragonfish is of a family stomiada. So stomiadi, stomiadi, sorry, stomiadi. And the anglerfish is from the there's two types that live in the ocean, the the deep oceans, uh Sean Acidy, Sean, yeah, Sean Acidy and Lofia. Sean Aston? No, not Sean Aston, no. Sean Acidy. Um, so this okay, so in an angler, an anglerfish uses the um the bulb on the top of their head to, you know, elicit prey to them, right? The um the dragonfish which they found, which is the it is the bathophilius Flaminigi fish. Um, it's a high fin dragonfish. Uh, the dragonfish have the little um, kind of. It's not like a, an illumination. It's they use a a um, what do they call it? Uh, let me look here. My apologies. Um, it's a little like a little dangly thing that's on the bottom of their mouth to kind of you know elect, pr attract prey. But um, what's really interesting is that uh, see here it was found. Off the coast of California. Um, let's see here. Uh, it's been more than three decades. Um, the the let's see here. The research vessel Western Flyer, which is Embari scientific team. Um, the scientific team, you know, it's been going on for a while. It's been going on for about three decades, and over that time, there's been twenty seven thousand six hundred hours of deep sea. Um, research. They're just, you know, trying to see if there's new species in the world. They're trying to see if damages have happened. So they see this thing coming around, and this is the fourth time this thing has only been spotted. Um, it was about seven inches long, and the the rumor is that you know they it can you know th these types of fish. Um, this one was kind of interesting because it was a metallic orange. So normally these types of fish and angler fish, because they're so far into the depths, they don't have um, any types of coloring. Actually, anglerfish have been known to be the blackest of the colors of black, you know, so they're very hard to see. Um, but this one was actually, it was bright orange. It was like a metallic orange, you know, kind of looked like a metal fish swimming around. Um, and what's really interesting to me and kind of, weird is that this you know like i said we don't know what's in our ocean you know we, we we are finding new things every time we go down there and the fact that this is the fourth time this type of fish has been spotted to me it's kind of weird you know it's it's an interesting weird not a scary weird that jason's probably going to bring up <laughs> not a um uh that made my butthole pucker kind of weird that you know nick's going to bring up <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's to me, it was it was just interesting. It was weird and it was interesting, you know, looking at it. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you, looking at it, it kind of looks like a floating dildo. <laughs> it, I mean, you know, it just 
it looks like a floating dildo you know it kind of moves around every now and then you can see its back fin moving but other than that like its whole body just stays straight the entire time and it kind of looks like it uses its eyes to move. It's like, okay, I got to go this way. Okay, okay, I got to go this way. And the whole body just goes straight. So it just looks like a floating, like a like a swimming dildo. So, yeah. Or like a torpedo. Yeah, it looks like, yeah. A, like, a, like a really shiny torpedo, you know? Yeah, because it's... Find... Uh, a tortildo, if you call it. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, it it's just has like a very small um, tail fin. And the, the tail fin moves back and forth really quickly, kind of like a... You know, almost like a propeller, except it's not s spinning. And then, and I think it's uh, Bathophilus flamingi. Bathophilus flamingi. That's correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. I said it. I said it right. <laughs> I find the ocean, particularly deep ocean, but the ocean in general, just terrifying. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I actually kind of have a fear of the ocean. I if I go swimming, I have to if if I'm not in the pool where I can see the bottom. I have to have like on shoes or something because it's you know people step on jellyfish people step on yeah i've seen i've heard of people stepping on stepping on puffer fish you know it's like how the fuck did a puffer yeah. fish get out there you know and then there are shark attacks and all that stuff so yeah and, and, I, and weird uh, and i've said this before to at least some of you but uh one of my fears like it just totally creeps me out is just large entities underwater <laughs> uh, and it, it can be anything from something terrifying, like a shark or whale or whatever, to just like the bottom half of a glacier. Like <clears throat> if you see something enormous, but like pan out and you just see like the whole of the ocean around it and it's just vast nothingness, like that is so creepy. It's just like, you know, the the massiveness underneath that you can't see. So like Jason's penis. Yes. <laughs> His dragonfish, as you said. Yes, that's my dragonfish, absolutely. His tordillo. <laughs> Jason's tordildo. <laughs> yeah, so that's my that's my weird one. Um it's not, you know, it's I don't really come up with with imaginative ones, but this was kind of weird. It, it intrigued me. Um I was trying to find something and I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. I like it, you know. Okay. The fact that it was last month, you know, they just found it. You know, they spotted a rare one last month. It's like, oh, that's pretty damn cool. All right. Well, thank you for that. That was that was actually very edu educational, if I might say. That was pretty I good. I, I enjoyed that story. All right. I'm going to go next. Um, uh, mine's not super long, but it's a little detailed. Um, and my... And, it might be a little sad, um, but there's going to be a Son twist. Of a <laughs> there's going to be a twist, so everyone just bear with me. And if any of this, if any of this sounds familiar, don't say it. Don't don't say it yet. Don't 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 ruin the twist. Uh, but if you don't know what this is, then I hope you enjoy the story. I'm going to tell you the story about Layla and Raymond Howard. Uh, now, Nick, some, we've been noticing the past few episodes, our stories have always like been connected somehow. Um, this is connected to us only because this takes place in Texas. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know what your story is for today, but I don't think it's this because you probably would have said something then if I said those not. names. No. But this takes place in Texas, so I figured that's close enough. Now, Nick, I don't. I know Texas is a big, giant state with a lot of tiny towns, so I don't expect you to know where this is. But if you do, please let me know. Uh, they are from the town of Salado, Texas. Holy um, shit. You, I have no idea where that is. Awesome. I thought um, you were going to be like, holy shit, that's like five <laughs> minutes from my house. <laughs> um, so they are from, yeah, Salado, Texas. And our, store, our story starts on Sunday, June 29th, 1997. Uh, Layla and Raymond, uh, I'm not going to go into their backstory, just they've been married for like 60 plus years. Uh, they're in oh, their 80s. Goodness. They're in their 80s. Um, wow. And then the only other thing that I need to mention is both of them. Um, well, uh, Layla um, was starting to show signs of uh, Alzheimer's disease and would often get confused easily at things. And Raymond uh, was also showing signs of mental deterioration due to a recent brain surgery done to combat a stroke and a head injury he had. So... Um, but on June 29th, 1997, uh, Layla and Raymond, they wanted to go to a day festival in Temple, which was like uh, a town about 15 miles I do away. Know where that's at. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, Salado is 15 minutes a different I direction. Just, but just, <laughs> just for reference, uh, Salado is uh, between Austin and Waco, and it's about two and a half to three hours away from me. Got it. Uh, so they're going to go to this festival in Temple, Texas. Um, it was, it's a, it's a 15 mile trip and Layla was going to drive. They were going to leave the morning of the 29th. Uh, but their, their kids, uh, did not want them to drive, did not want to go there because again, they have, you know, these mental issues of Alzheimer's and surgery and head trauma and all this stuff. They did not want them to be driving, but the, uh, the kids were like, no, 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 don't go. We'll, we'll, we, you know, we'll take you if you really want to go. Uh, but Layla was like, no, 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 we don't want to bother you. We know where to go. We go every year, which is what Layla said. Uh, so they took off. They went to uh, Temple, Texas to go to this festival. Um, the afternoon then turned into evening, and the Howards did not return home. Um it would be reported that on that day they would stop at a Walmart in Temple and uh, get some coffee, which was a normal routine for them. Um, <clears throat> they would often stop at this Walmart to get coffee, so this was nothing out of the ordinary. But that was the last time anyone would see them for a few days. God, your stories are depressing. <laughs> um. um the kids, of course, got concerned. They called the, the authorities. They put a missing persons bulletin out, and they were missing. They were missing for three days, um, which then now we are on Wednesday, July 2nd, 1997. Um, I'm only mentioning this newspaper article because it's going to come up later, uh, but there was a newspaper article published in the Austin American Statesman uh, about the couple, and the headline uh, this whole actually, this whole headline and story is kind of dickish, but again, it's going to be important later on. Uh, the headline states: elderly Salado couple missing on a trip to nowhere. And the oh, I do know this story, but go ahead. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> then be quiet, you. <laughs> 
don't ruin the twist. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, Layla and Raymond Howard. This is the, this is the article now. This is the article I'm, I'm quoting here. Layla and Raymond Howard are on a four-day road trip into thin air. The Central Texas couple, in their 80s, with diminishing health, somehow has turned a 15-mile journey for a cup of coffee and a party into a 500-mile-plus misadventure with no known destination. I don't know who wrote that, but I hope something really terrible happened to them. Yeah, That's kind of mean. Help. That's kind of mean. Um, interestingly enough, that exact same day on Wednesday, July 2nd, 1997, uh, a deputy in rural Arkansas would pull over Layla and Raymond for driving with their headlights off because it was nighttime. Uh, Layla and Raymond, who were 500 miles away from their original starting point in Salado, Texas, um, the deputy uh, would say Layla was polite and gentle and was, you know, really nice. Uh, she said to the deputy that they're trying to just get back to Texas. They just want to get back home. Uh, the deputy says that they're going in the wrong direction. Um, so he gives them the right direction, says, you know, turn around, go this way, get on this highway, you'll be back home. Um so, you know, deputy just let him off without a warning. Uh, about a half an hour later, another deputy pulls them over. This time, for the opposite reason, they have their high beams on. So the dep- this deputy lets them go as well. And both deputies will then go on to say that they did not know that they were missing. They didn't see a newspaper article. They didn't get the missing persons bulletin. They didn't know that they were wanted basically so they just let he just let them go um the next day uh they end up getting spotted by a uh, they get spotted at a farmer's market in arkansas and on uh friday they kind of friday which is now the fourth of july they widened their search to arkansas and uh then they go kind of quiet um on July 9th, the story gets picked up by the CBS Morning News. There's some more articles being published now nationwide uh, in a search for this couple because they're just now full on missing. Like there's, um, they're just, they're nowhere found, like nowhere to be found. Um, <clears throat> so uh, to kind of jump forward a little bit here, July 12th, um, and Rob, I take your Xanax. Uh, the bodies of Layla and Raymond were discovered in their car by hikers at the bottom of a 25-foot cliff just outside of Hot Springs, Arkansas. Uh, Raymond was still in the passenger seat, but Layla was about 20 feet away in a ravine, still clutching her purse and car keys. Uh, Apparently, after the car went over the cliff, she put her car in park, turned off the headlights, opened the passenger side door for the now-deceased husband, and then she crawled away from her injuries, which is when she died. Uh, There was no skid marks found on the top of the cliff, um, indicating that the car had just driven straight off the edge. Um, An investigator would say that they estimate that the car had been going around 50 miles an hour on the stretch of road leading up to the cliff, and Layla likely didn't see the cliff edge or was distracted by something. Um, it's not really known how long the bodies were out there and, uh, the crash site where Layla and Raymond were found, um, was searched by authorities, but they could not see the bottom of the cliff due to the excess brush. So they would later get buried. Now, 
why am I talking about the story? It's not that weird. Right? I mean, it's sad, but it's not weird, weird. I mean, it's about an old couple. I mentioned one had Alzheimer's. The other one had a brain injury. They just simply got lost. They went the wrong direction, and then they ended up being found dead. Well, that newspaper article that I mentioned from July 2nd, a man by the name of Tony Scalzo would end up seeing this article. And uh, Tony, uh, he was in an uh, up-and-coming band that you know was kind of struggling. They needed a hit song. And uh, he oh. was like, and he was like, uh, I need, I need, a, I need, a, I need a hit song. And I don't know what it's gonna be, but it needs to be something. I think I know where this is going. So, uh-huh. um, he would then go to the newspaper, and he would find this article, that article that I read to you, and he would proceed to do this song. In case you're not up on your 90s songs, uh, that is called The Way by the band Fastball. Uh, That song would show up on their album All the Pain Money Can Buy, which would get released in 1998 and would become like one of their biggest uh, charting hits. And uh, yeah, no one really knew what that song was about until uh, the songwriter did an interview uh, some years later and was like, yeah, it was about this. uh, It's it's a it's a romantic sized version of what happened to Layla and Raymond. It's not exactly about it. It's more of just like, you know, he's picturing them taking off to have fun like they did when they first met. And, you know, he 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 leaves out the brain trauma stuff or whatever and makes it more like they were just a, you know, you know, an old couple who just wanted to live out their glory days. So that's what makes the story weird <laughs> is that Aww. this 1998 hit song called the way was based on a elderly couple who would be missing for a couple of weeks and then found dead. That's kind of sweet. So that's my, that's my weird story. And I don't know if anyone knew, you know what the, the song, the way was about, but that is what it is about. Yeah, I don't know when or where I read that. Uh, it was a while back, but um, yeah, I, I found out the the history of that song and uh, read read about that story. So uh, yeah, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, so again, sorry to depress everybody. I can't do that, but you know, I'm I'm the true crime guy. I guess I guess I, I I'm gonna be depressing a little bit. So that was actually it was really depressing. <laughs> it was depressing until you got to the part about the song. I I I completely went the wrong way and thought of a different song. Uh, um, I thought of the song. I don't. God, it's you know, it's who are you? Who 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 who? <laughs> okay, and I'm like. Okay, I know where he's going. Then you did fastball, and I'm like, oh, my heart just melted. <laughs> All right. 
All right, well, that was my story. So, uh, Nick, you are up. You're going to finish us off. What do you got? Um, so uh, I'm continuing my uh, weird history. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to be reading off of a website, which I don't normally do. Uh, but just to kind of give credit to what I'm reading, it is from Fire. Olympics.com. Oh. Um, and I am going to be talking about the 1904 Olympics. Okay. Um, all right. The 1904 St. Louis um, Olympic Marathon isn't a tale about athletics. It is the culmination of a jaw-dropping mishmash of events that produced one of the most bizarre races ever run. Running, in fact, was not the only means of transport used in this 24.85-mile race, but more on those shenanigans later. Perhaps the background to the race should have given people an inkling of the strange events to come, as the St. Louis Olympics were not conventional in any sense of the word. The USA's first ever games were tied to that year's World's Fair, and as such were missing the unique grandeur that had been witnessed at the turn of the century games in Paris or the inaugural modern Olympics that had taken place in Athens four years earlier. Of the runners who stood on the marathon starting line, a handful had, previ had run previously in the Boston Marathon, but mainly the field was comprised of a hodgepodge collection of middle distance specialists or distance running novices who had never attempted anything like a marathon in their lives before. One of the runners, Cuba's Felix Carvajal, arrived ready to race fully dressed in long trousers, a white shirt and walking shoes. Taking pity on him, a fellow competitor cut off his trousers at the knees in order to make it easier for him to race. Two of the competitors, Lynn Tonyan and Jan Mashiani, were members of the South African Tswana tribe who were in St. Louis because of the World Fair. The historic importance of their participation was probably unknown at the time as they became the first black Africans to complete compete in the modern Olympic Games. Hey, and there we go, Bubba. There's our tie. <laughs> uh, the race began in sweltering heat on an unpaved course that threw up clusters of dust into the thick air, making it difficult for the athletes to breathe as they made their way across the Missouri Plains. To add to the fun, there was only one water stop available during the whole of the race, a roadside well at the 12-mile mark. The 32 entrants began the race that afternoon, but by the end of the day, a mere 14 would finish, the lowest number in Olympic history. It was no surprise the winning athlete would later say, quote, the terrific hills simply tear a man to pieces. The first athlete to cross the finish line was Fred Lors, an American distance runner who would go on to win the Boston Marathon a year later. But all was not what it seemed with Lors' Olympic marathon victory. Just as he was about to be presented with the winner's trophy by none other than the daughter of the president, Alice Roosevelt, a member of the public, quote, called an indignant halt to the proceedings with the charge that Lors was an imposter. It later came to light at, uh, that at the nine-mile mark, Lors had begun suffering from cramps and hitched a ride in a car for the next 11 miles. <laughs> he then proceeded to jump out of the vehicle and run to the finish where he would bask in the spoils of victory. Lors would go on to 
claim that he had only finished as a joke and had never intended to keep up the charade or charade of the other (laughs) of the other runners cuba's felix carvajal was trotting along at a reasonable pace when hunger caused him to stop at an orchard to snack on some apples unfortunately for him the apples were rotten and the stomach cramps that ensued caused the athlete to lie prostrate by the side of the road where he proceeded to take a nap he still finished fourth (laughs) okay William Garcia of California was another to succumb to the extraordinary conditions of the race. Initially leading, Garcia gulped down so much dust from the country roads that he suffered a near-fatal stomach hemorrhage. Uh, South Africa's Tanyane, or Tanyane, I don't know, on the other hand, had proved to be, (laughs) it's T-A-U-N-Y-A-N-E. Ah, Tanya, I don't know. Uh, uh, had proved to be a very able runner and was well positioned until a pack of wild dogs chased him a mile off course, leaving him to finish ninth of the 14 finishers. The race was eventually won by the USA's Thomas Hicks in a time that was the slowest in Olympic history, three hours, 28 minutes and 53 seconds. But even Hicks's race was far from conventional. Having been helped by his trainers at various points along the route, Hicks finally forced himself toward the finish line. Charles Lucas, a race official, had this to say about the last two miles of the race. Quote, his eyes were dull, lusterless. The ashen color of his face and skin had deepened. His arms appeared as weights well tied down. He could scarcely lift his legs while his knees were almost stiff. Eventually, exhausted and hallucinating that he still had another 20 miles to run, Hicks was carried over the line by his trainers, his legs moving backward and forwards through the air as if he were still running. Uh, It was a fitting end to a race the likes of which uh, we're unlikely to ever see again. The marathon event at St. Louis was so controversial that the event was almost struck from the Olympic program for the following games. The director of the 1904 Olympics, James Sullivan, stated that a run of that distance was, quote, indefensible on any ground, but historic. Lors, who had hitched his way to, quote, unquote, victory in St. Louis, was banned for life for his fraudulent behavior, a punishment that was overturned in time for him to win the Boston Marathon a year later. Cuba's Carvajal gained sponsorship from the Greek government to run a marathon in Athens in 1906, but he never arrived at the race and newspapers in his home country proclaimed him dead. A year later, he arrived safe and well in Havana. His whereabouts during the previous year, a complete mystery. The race winner Hicks, for his part, continued to run marathons for the next five years before moving to Winnipeg, Canada with his two brothers. But none of these runners would ever again experience an event as preposterously strange as the 1904 St. Louis Olympic Marathon. <laughs> wow. I think some of that sounded familiar. I, th- I think I might have may have heard about that before. Definitely like the uh, the car ride, <laughs> the one yeah. that cheated by car ride. <laughs> That's wild. That is really wild. Jason, you need to do some research and find out where that guy went missing for for a year. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Where the fuck did he go? Where did he go? Oh wow! All right, that was that was good. That man, these were all good stories, you guys. Thank you, thank you guys so much. That was awesome. Hey, um, question before we close: Can I give a shout out real fast? No, sure. I know this completely actually this became this, this became TRL all of a sudden. No, okay, no, no. sure. The reason why I say this is because of the the last story, the Olympics. Um, this really isn't anything weird. I just wanted to give a shout out to my friend, John Buckle. Um, his team won the basketball golden medal in the special Olympics today. Okay. Okay. They're from from Indiana. They beat out all the other teams. Um, I just want to give a shout out to him and his team and congratulate them on a job well done. Um, he was freaking out about it, you know, because he's like, we don't think we're good enough. But sure enough, you know, he his team whipped some ass. So, John, congratulations. So I had a tie right. to Bubba and Rob. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, you did. And Isn't you're in Texas. Weird? And you're in Texas. <laughs> and I'm in Texas. <laughs> so that's all of us. Okay, yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap up there. Uh, Bubba Wheat, thank you so much for coming on to the uh, show, being our first guest. Uh, go ahead and tell people where they can find you on the internet and talk about your various podcasts. Sure. Um, the best place to find me is on Twitter where I'm at Bubba Wheat and, um, my non rabbit hole podcast, it's time to rewind is, uh, just getting ready to start its third season where I'm taking a look at, uh, I take a look at time loop stories, one loop at a time. And in this third season, I'm, going through the movies triangle time loop from 2019 and time crimes and uh, those episodes come out every monday okay excellent well thank you bubble weed again for coming on the show uh thank you for listening uh we want to hear from you uh if you have a weird story experience situation whatever and you'd like to share it with us uh we'd love to read it send it to i have a weird one at gmail.com and we will read them on the air uh let's go ahead and wrap up you guys until next time i'm jason soto i have a machete now I'm scared. <laughs> Go be weird like these guys. There's something strange going on tonight. There's something going on that's not quite right. Michael's nervous and the lights are bright. Copyright 2022 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcasts.com.